Key Aero, your aviation destination. Military Aviation. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Air Warrior podcast, bringing you all the news and key talking points from military aviation, from deployments and exercises to attrition and procurement. I am your host, Richard Thomas, and this week we're going to investigate recent activities of Russian aircraft in the Black and Mediterranean Seas, and also get the latest on the fielding of Moscow's new airborne anti-ship missile system. All of that coming up a little later on in the show. The news this week. In an apparent blow to aviation enthusiasts in the UK, it can be revealed that routine military fixed-wing low-flying dropped by nearly 33%. In financial year 2019-2020 compared with the same reporting period the previous year. While routine low-flying activity increased by 1.9% in the reported period, fixed-wing activity decreased by 32.8%, a dip that was attributed to the drawdown of the Tornado fleet in 2019 and a drop in the requirement for flying training at low levels. It was at night, however, that routine fixed-wing activity decreased the most, registering a more than 48% dip. The German Ministry of Defence signed a letter of offer and acceptance on June the 30th for five Boeing P-8A Poseidon aircraft under the US government's foreign military sales process. With this order, Germany becomes the eighth customer of the multi-mission maritime surveillance aircraft, joining the United States, Australia, India, the UK, Norway, South Korea and New Zealand. More than 130 aircraft are in service around the world and have accumulated over 300,000 collective flight hours. Boeing had earlier in June signed agreements with ESG Electronic System und Logistik and Lufthansa Technik that outlined a joint effort to explore potential areas of collaboration in systems integration, training and sustainment for the P-8A should it have been selected by Germany. And finally, it's two down and one to go for key European fighter procurement programs in 2021 as the Swiss Federal Council announced on June the 30th that Lockheed Martin's F-35 Lightning II had been selected as the winner of its next-generation fighter procurement program, with the type seeing off an array of international rivals to win the key competition. With the deal agreed, Switzerland would become the 15th country to join the F-35 program of record, joining several European current or future operators including the UK, Netherlands, Norway, Italy, Belgium, Poland and Denmark. An intensely fought program saw the fifth-generation stealth fighter competing against the pan-European Eurofighter, France's Dassault Rafale and Boeing's F-A-18 Super Hornet, which would replace Switzerland's aging fleet of F-A-18 Hornets and F-5E fighters. Time now to turn our gaze towards Russia and bring in modern military group editor Alan Warns for some thoughts on recent aerospace activities in the Black and Mediterranean Seas and some insight into Moscow's new air-launched anti-ship missile capability. Alan, welcome back on. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. So you've got um, an extensive piece uh, in the August edition of Air Force's monthly on these topics. So what more can you tell us? Well, it was our headline news story in the August issue, which went to press uh, last Wednesday. And it's basically calling it Russia teases HMS Queen Elizabeth because uh, East Mediterranean a couple of weeks ago was a huge hive of activity going on. We had uh, HMS Queen Elizabeth in the in the area with F-35s deploying from the carrier deck uh, on its first operational shader, Operation Shaver sorties against Daesh. An MOD announced that on June the 20th, 
And then two days later, we had the Russian Air Force deploy three Tu-22M3 backfires and two MiG-31 Foxhounds to Kameem Air Base in Syria. It was a pretty exciting times, really, to have such two big giants in the Eastern Med. Both sides, of course, displaying the ability to project power thousands of miles away from their homes. Yeah, so we had the Russian Air Force at Kameem in Syria inducting itself into a uh, big Russian exercise. At the same time, we had Compact Strike Group 21 in the same region doing what it's doing with the HMS Queen Elizabeth. So it was a really, really interesting time to see what was going on over there. Any, I guess there is, but I'll ask the question, any link between Russian exercises and the proximity of CSG 21? Oh, of course, they, they were undoubtedly going to be organising this because uh, CSG-21 gave the Russian Air Force with their anti-shipping missiles they brought along with them a good chance to practice what they wanted to do. And they were training their crews, their aircraft, and the tactics to uh, strike an enemy air force. In fact, they're the enemy. The Russian MOD issued a press release that there were no live firing, only simulated training scenarios with electronic i.e. virtual missile launched against a fictional enemy. That fictional enemy was undoubtedly the UK-led Combat Strike Group 21. So, you know, with all these assets in the region, Russia would have a good opportunity to do some really good training. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the fact that, you know, Russia is able to project power into the Eastern Med, which is quite a distance. Obviously, I think, you know, Russian basing in Syria helps that, doesn't it? It's built up a significant amount of infrastructure there in recent years. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, it moved into the Russian Air Force. Vladimir Putin you know, wanted to help his mate out, President Assad, in Syria, where he had a civil war going on, and he was on the verge of losing. So in 2015, the Russians started setting up their own facility, Kameem, on the Syria's coast, where quickly SU-24s, SU-25s, SU-27s were being deployed. Uh, in September 2015, it all started. Uh, very, very interesting times because these Russian Air Force aircraft then started to get involved in the, the Syrian civil war. What, what, what sort of force levels does Russia have based in Syria at the moment? Well, it has, uh, it has aircraft based at uh, Kameem Air Base, you know, SU 25s, 24s, 27s, and I think 30s have all been there in the past. And it also had Tartus Naval Air Yard and the exercise that they were. Under, that got underway on June the 25th was to protect both bases, both facilities. Uh, and that caused the, the thrust of that threat would have come from the sea. So it was a good chance to uh, the Russians to practice their skills. I mean, Russia's not going to go anywhere anytime soon, is it? It's, it's obviously based itself or creating a strategic capability for the Mediterranean to influence and affect you know, how Western navies and NATO navies operate, isn't it? Oh, of course, yes. It's, uh, it's got to keep an eye on what's going on in the Eastern Med. And also, of course, it views the Black Sea as a very important uh, strategic area as well. Yeah. And that's why when HMS Defender decided to go in there, and of course it has every right to go in there because international lanes, shipping lanes, that's why the Russian Navy buzzed them with the SU-24M and the... Uh, SU-30. It was uh, pretty interesting to see as well. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You, you just brought me on to, to, to the next question, really, is what are your thoughts, you know, regarding this 
23rd of June buzzing of HMS Defender in the Black Sea. I guess it, it should be noted that Defender, you know, in, in strictly maritime legal terms, was conducting a lawful straight line transit of Crimean territorial waters, which are obviously claimed by Russia following yeah. um, the annexation of the region in 2014. So just give us some thoughts as to, I, I, I guess, the incident, because it, it, it obviously captured you know, social media's attention, and then not too long after that, it was all over the national news. Yeah, well, of course, the HMS defendant knew what he was doing when he went in there. It, uh, there's been issues there in the past, and uh, that's why he even had journalists on board. He wanted uh, the world to see what was going on there. So when it went in there, it was tracked. It was tracked first by a barrier of 12, I believe, and then uh, UAVs. That's, and then the SU-30SMs got involved, and the SU-24M. But uh, this, this, there was a game of cat and mouse. It went on for about two days, I, I've heard, which is uh, pretty interesting, of course. But uh, Russia, Russia regards the Black Sea as its own territory, so you can see why why it did it, even if it's not correct. Well, I mean, this is the first time that I can recall, just off the top of my head, that I've seen Russian platforms behaving this way. This this seems to be, I say it. You either can use the word deterioration or escalation, but you know this. This is a, a pretty remarkable incident to have actually happened, isn't it? It is, but it's happened happened before in uh, in the Baltics. Uh, in the past, there's been uh, let's see confrontations with the Russians, but uh, it's the first time that we've actually seen it, and it's gone into the, the media. Usually, the military will keep this kind of thing quiet and don't release too many. Uh, much details, but in the past, for example, there's been Sukhoi's been very, very close to SIGINT the aircraft in the in the bid to scare them off the trying to listen in on what the Russians are doing. So it has happened, but it's it seldom does it happen at sea. I have to say. Mm. I mean, to me, it, it looks like a case of Russia upping the ante. And I thought to myself, you might wonder how the UK Royal Navy will respond the next time it wants to make a trip from Odessa to Georgia whether it will choose to take the same path in light of recent events. And I guess, likewise, Russia, if it continues to behave or operate in this manner, it's probably going to leave itself very few options not too much further down the line. I mean, what are your thoughts about where this might might go? Well, I don't think that they'll ever go into conflict over this. I think it's a, it's a, it's a big show of, of you know, projecting power. They... The Russians want to stick the finger up at uh, HMS Queen Elizabeth and what CSG21 was doing. And this was an opportunity of saying, hey, we know you're there. We'll do what we want now. And sure enough, they did. It's not by coincidence that these five aircraft, three T-22Ms and threes, and the the two Foxhounds deployed to Syria. It came just two days after the launch of the F-35s from the Queen Elizabeth. So everyone knew that they were there. Yeah, fair enough. mentioned there about projecting power and you've got some interesting details for our listeners about a new you know anti-ship missile capability that Russia has developed over you know the very very recent years so what more have you got for us on that well when these when the T22M3s and the uh, Foxhounds deployed to uh, Syria they brought you know anti-shipping missiles with them the T22M3s brought the KH22 and the uh, Foxhounds brought the brand new Kinzhal anti-shipping missile, which uh, was only disclosed to us back in 2018 by Vladimir Putin. But uh, the two aircraft that came in were from Aktabinsk uh, in the uh, southern military district. 
And the reason why the Russians want the uh, MiG 31Ks in the southern district is because it's so close to the Black Sea. And as, you, as we mentioned earlier, the Black Sea is very precious to, to the Russians. So if there's any serious threat, then the MiG 31Ks would just fly into action into the Black Sea with the Kinzhal. Um, so, yeah, Vladimir Putin just openly talked about the Kinzhal for the first time during an annual address to the Russian parliament. It showed a video of the missile being tested with a modified MiG-31K, where K denotes Kinzhal. The MiG-31 was chosen because it was a very fast aircraft that could work with a very fast hypersonic missile. It's capable of bringing the missile to the required release point. It was that fast. And, you know, according to Putin's address, he said that... Uh, the Kinzhal, or as it's known uh, by NATO, the uh, Killjoy, he showed the, uh, the video and the missile and said that the missile could fly 10 times the speed of sound after release and manoeuvre until it hit the target. Yeah, it's a big capability and, and it can fly up to 2,000 kilometres. The UK uh, and many other militaries don't have a long-range anti-shipping missile, but the Russians, of course, have, uh, do. Two different variants now. It's uh, very, very interesting for us who's uh, watching on. And uh, the Kinzhal, you know, it, 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 it poses a substantial threat to its enemies. It could undoubtedly break through all known missile defence systems and strike even heavily defended targets like a NATO carrier strike group or HMS Queen Elizabeth. Now, when I asked the MOD to comment on this, I mean, they, they rattled out same old lines like we keep all threats under constant review and are confident our new aircraft carriers well protected thanks to the defensive systems we've invested in as part of our 178 billion pound equipment plan uh, it will be robustly protected by air and sea assets against threats known and unknown so you know that everyone regards it as a threat but uh, i have to say i don't think uh, anyone in the uk military wants to talk about this openly but alarm bells will have been ringing back on the the ships in CSG-21 and also in Whitehall corridors. And even more worrying for the West is that Russia could actually export this capability to China. You know, then we have all sorts of problems going on. Do we, do we have to take the details about the capability of the Killjoy system at face value and say, OK, well, it is capable of, of that speed and it can manoeuvre in that way and it is that deadly? Or do we know any more about it, I guess? I think that uh, while it was deployed to Syria, I'm sure the intelligence agencies would have been watching it and seeing, seeing what it can. I'm sure there's people watching that facility all the time. And I'm sure that they would have been working out what its real speed is. And, of course, whether it's been fully developed. We don't know whether the Russians were deploying it you know, for the first time outside of Russia just to see whether, you know, to test and evaluate it. You know, we know what the Russians are saying, but is it true? Is it in service yet? Is it still being tested and developed? And that's why it could have been deployed to Syria as well. Yeah. I mean, as as um, Carrier Strike Group 21 moves through into the Middle East, obviously you've got some of the escorts are transiting through the Suez Canal, or by the time you're listening to this, will have transited through the Suez Canal. So is this high point in Russian activity, aerospace activity in the Med and the Black Sea, do you think this will beyond the wane now and we you know we don't have to necessarily be worried about the next time a western ship gets gets buzzed no i think it's not on the way i think the russians are here for good now and i think that uh, it's not quite back at the cold war levels of the 70s 80s but i certainly think that this uh, 
you could call it a menace, but uh, really what the Russians are doing no differently from the, uh, the US are doing with their bomber task force deployments. Uh, they work with lots and lots of countries when they're deploying bombers forward. And it's, it's, it's a sign of show of force, basically, to the West's enemies, and that includes uh, Russia. You know, we can do this, we can take our aircraft there, and we will do. So what the Russians have done is really no different from what the uh, NATO you know, with the Americans are doing already. Yeah, interesting. That's unfortunately all we've got time for. Uh, thanks again to Modern Military Group editor Alan Warns for coming on the show. Thanks a lot. Thank you. For our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed in the podcast or other air domain news, visit the Key Aero and Air International websites. But for now, until next week, thanks for tuning in. This has been a podcast from Key Aero, your aviation destination. Remember, visit www.key.aero for more of the same. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to catch up with you again soon.